0: Hello and welcome. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to remind you of some upcoming engagements that I'm involved in. I will be keynoting at Face and Body at the end of July in Chicago. So again, all the details surrounding this can be found at lauricreet.com and I'm excited hopefully to meet you in person. I'm also excited to share today's episode with you. I was given the opportunity to chat with a beauty icon. And her name is Susie Weiss Fishman, and she was one of the co founders of OPI Now Polish. Her title was OPI Executive Vice President and Artistic Director. Susie has written a book. Called I'm not really a waitress, which happens to be my favorite OPI color. And if you're anything like me, I bet you right now, you can think of your favorite OPI color. So talking to her about how she started the company up until she sold it and rumor has it, they sold in the billions to Cody. She shares with you how this all rolled out and she shares in a very, very inspirational way. And her goal now, she said she's in semi-retirement is just to inspire women And she's agreed to come teach a branding and marketing class inside the Beauty Biz Club. So excited about that. Anyway, stay tuned. Enjoy the show today. I know you're going to leave this episode feeling like you can go conquer the beauty biz world. So enjoy. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional success-based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry-specific resources that are needed to succeed. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, please visit beautybizclub.com. Now I invite you to join me as I feature inspirational messages from industry gurus and practical tips to tap into your best success. Stay tuned for some serious beauty biz entertainment. Hello, everybody. It's Lori Crete here, and I want to welcome you to the Beauty Biz Show. Today, my guest is Susie Weiss-Fishman, and she was the Executive Vice President and Artistic Director. Is that correct, Susie? Yes, that is correct. Are you still involved with the company?
1: Yes, I'm still involved. I'm uh, a consultant now and um, brand ambassador for OPI. You know, it's like uh, my child. You can never let go.
0: Oh my goodness! Well, I can't believe that we have never met in person because when I've heard your name forever, you know, I owned a spa in Encino, and I feel like it was two degrees of separation. People were always saying, "My friend Susie," "My friend Susie." She she you know helped found OPI, and then last night you said you discovered we one of my good friends knows your your niece.
1: Actually, her son is now engaged to my niece, yes. exactly what you say, it's two degrees of separation. <laughs> uh, you know, women get together, and we somehow find this uh, other connection, so not just through work sometimes, or uh, but through a personal uh, way as well, so it's always nice <laughs> to have different connections.
0: When Eric started he was my client and his mom was my client. She was one of my favorite clients for a long time. I remember when they started dating and then I moved away from LA so Lynette just emailed me and said they have a two week old baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so things yes. are rolling Touch right it. along for them. And Eric is so handsome I'm sure I've never met your your niece, right?
1: Yes. Yes. My my sister's daughter and uh they make an amazing couple and we love Eric and they have the most beautiful adorable little girl. Oh, it's a great story. Awesome. Yes,
0: and and I won't, you know, say last names to protect privacy, but I know you know my client Rochelle and Amy, <laughs> they all talk about you. So, small oh. world. <laughs>
1: It is It is always a small world, which is always kind of fun to, as I said, to connect through different ways. Part
0: of the reason I love doing this show, the Beauty Biz Show, is because I love having women like you on that have taken something really from nothing and created this massive brand. I think it provides such inspiration and almost empowerment for other women in the beauty industry. So I want to go back and and talk about you know what how you founded the company and what inspired you to go from medical dental to into beauty
1: um okay so let me start as you say um it was uh, started as a family business so my sister's husband and I started the company and we were in the dental supply business and uh in the early 80s uh if you and i'm sure all your listeners remember the acrylic nails the artificial nail enhancements that were so popular and uh it was very similar chemistry to making dentures so that powder and liquid that you mixed with the brush and then you know applied on the nail to shape the nail to make it longer you pat it and it dried from the oxygen in the air then you fired it and there was uh the the new nail, which usually lasted for two to three weeks, and then the client would come back for a fill. And we, uh, being in the in the dental business, we realized all these nail salons popping up in Ventura Boulevard in the San San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, doing artificial nail enhancements. And as I say, we met a young chemist who was in the um, movie industry for special effects, a polymer chemist. And we said, why don't we make a product that is can be used for nails because you couldn't use the same exact um, metacrylates that you used for dentures. Anyway, Anyway, make a long story short, he did come up with the liquid powder and the primer, which is kind of the adhesive agent, and we put a rubber band on it, called it the rubber band special, and I went up and down Ventura Boulevard, dropping off the Robert band special to nail technicians, asking them to please try it. And then I'll be back in two weeks to get their opinion and see how, you, how they liked it. I have and a
0: question. That's
1: exactly how it happened.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm curious. Cause you say it's different conversations with different people. This chemist, was it just you were at dinner one night and ran into this person or were you out searching for somebody to help you bring this to life?
1: So also, uh, for the movies for special effects, they would come to the dental supply business to, to buy certain products that they used. And that's how we met him again. One of those, uh, you know, you meet somebody and you strike up a conversation and things happen. And I'm sure it happened to you. And for me, many times, that's how things happen in life. Just kind of least expected. And, um, You know, you just talk and you pursue certain avenues and lo and behold, uh, things happen. Sometimes business opportunities or other opportunities from simple conversations.
0: So as you're going up and down Ventura Boulevard, really doing like a cold sale type situation, in your own mind, were you thinking we are onto something and this is going to take off? Or are you thinking, gosh, just got to give this a try? I don't know. Where was
1: your mindset? Just got to give this a try. I would have never thought that it would be. And people said, "Oh my God, you're!" Sa-. I said, "Really? You know, it was just one of those things where you you grab an opportunity, and then you have, as they say, nothing to lose, why not? Um, you know, I'm a, an entrepreneur by instinct and a hard worker, and uh, it was just one of those things. Let's let's give it a a really good try and. Uh, Thankfully, uh, it worked out. So,
0: how did this partnership come or form between you and, and George, your sister's husband? How did it come about?
1: You know, I'm a very close knit family. I only have one sister, and uh, we were working together in New York. Um, his parents, uh, he and his parents came in 1956, also a Hungarian to the u.s. and they settled in new york and they had a um making junior tops um uh, clothing manufacturing and every day after school i went to the factory to uh to work to make uh money uh, i would be in the shipping department putting the tickets in with the denison gun you know those little plastic things that labels hang from and um uh, You know, I was a hard worker when my sister and George moved here. I said, I want to come to Los Angeles as well, since it's always the the sun shines (laughs) always. And um, I started working uh, with George and then in the dental business. And when we saw this opportunity, we formed a partnership and we really started OPI together. (laughs)
0: One of the things that this show grants me is the opportunity to ask kind of personal questions. And I feel like those are missing in the business world. So working with family members, working with business partners, isn't always smooth sailing. Did your sister ever have to play the mediator
1: when things would get chaotic? You know, not not really, because... I am a personality, I say what I feel and what I think, and I think communication is so important in in a relationship, whether it's a, a personal relationship, in a business relationship, communicating honestly and openly is a key to a successful relationship in anything. And both of us just, you know, we said it as is, and many times we disagreed. And, but many times we agreed, and the other thing which I think is very important in a partnership, each one of us had its strengths and weaknesses, and each one of us did what we did best. I was more in the marketing and creative side, George was more in you know building what I call infrastructure as the company grew, machinery filling uh, lines, um, acquiring more space for more inventory, shelving all those things that I didn't pay really attention to or was good at. So each one of us did what we did best. And that really, you know, lends to a very good uh, partnership. And, you know, that's my advice always. It's very hard to do something on your own. There's only 24 hours in a day. And um, it's always nice to be able to rely on somebody else. That, um, But, again, it's very important that each one does their own, and then we would discuss it, you know, usually every day, once a week, whatever works for for the specific, uh, you know, partnership. But I think it's very important.
0: I'm curious, when you were going door-to-door, basically, on Ventura Boulevard, and I can totally visualize this because that's where my spa was for 17 years. So you drop it off, you get people to try it, and when you went back a few weeks later, was it an overwhelmingly positive response, or did you still have to step into sales mode?
1: very much a positive response again, totally unexpected. People said, "Where can we buy it?" The nice thing with it the powder was so fine that there wasn't too much filing to do. There was just enough time before the product got hard for it to be to shape it in you know to give it a nice shape. So everything that made it easy for the nail technician, because I always said her uh, time is money when you're providing a service. So it's very important for the product to work efficiently because that's how, you know, when her next client was there, she doesn't want her to wait Um, then her appointment is because she didn't finish the client before. So it's very important for the products uh, to perform well. And OPI did. And people said, where can we buy it? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Now what do we do?
0: (laughs) So I was never a big nails girl because I grew up in Vermont and we didn't even have a manicurist there. So I'm curious, was your product just something that made a technique much more convenient? Is that what you were replacing? Something that just needed to be updated or was it one of a kind?
1: there were other products in on the market but as I said it just made it easier okay. for the nail technician to work and I think she recognizes don't forget the nail is such a small I, say, I always say it's the word smallest canvas and it's such a small area to work it's very important to be efficient and to be you know for the product to flow for not to have too much filing and she noticed that it made a difference for her to want to say wow this would be a better product for me to use on my clients.
0: Was there a mistake you made in the beginning looking back now where you'd go, Oh gosh, if I only would have known, or do you just consider them all building blocks that took you to the next level? The, the things that maybe popped up, you didn't expect.
1: There were small mistakes, but each one kind of, you know, learning mistakes. Of course, what did I know? How to fill more efficiently, how to label more efficiently, how to buy more efficiently, All those things that, uh, you know, in the beginning, you don't know. There was one big mistake, but the company was already more um,
0: established.
1: uh, Established, exactly. So when we came out, I'm sure if you read the book, uh, the lipstick, the bagel, everybody in those days was matching lip and nails. We said, why not expand the brand into lipstick? You know, again, a great learning opportunity when you want to uh, get into something else. Make sure that you learn enough about the product. And also timing of the year is very important when you launch. So we didn't know that it was the summer. He, you know, 100 oh, degrees. in the valley. Uh, in lipstick, exactly. And they all, what it's called, bloom. So they're like sweat marks on the actual stick. It looks like it had a horrible disease. Anyway, a million lipsticks later that were uh, thrown out, we learned our lesson. The good thing was, even though financially it hurt, but OPI was so well established that we just said, let's move on and um, work even smarter and harder on what we knew best, which was nails. And then we got into pedicure products because again, pedicures were growing in the salon business and we wanted to make sure we had the products Um, I remember when I started, pedicures were only for kind of somebody who was at the higher socioeconomic levels. But then manicures and pedicures became almost like oral hygiene. It was affordable. It was that affordable luxury for everyone. And um, we grew, you know, we got into pedicure products as well.
0: So when you first went from the nail product that you were using to incorporating polish into your offerings and into your brand did you come out with the original 30 right away or is it just one or two and you go let's see if this sticks
1: no original 30 30 nail shades and that you know it, because you need a line kind of a uh, a palette to launch and we were also the first one t- to do a color chart because we wanted the consumer to take something home that she can look at, enjoy the fun names, and uh, get to know the brand better. So when she went for her next service, she would be asking for the color by name.
0: What was the? I have to tell you something that happened to me yesterday in a second. But what was the color chart? Tell me how you rolled that out and how it it actually helped the practitioner probably with retail sales.
1: It helped uh, absolutely because when somebody bought one color, they would give a color chart with it. And it's nice to have something to take home where the color and the names were there. So as I said, the key was for uh, OPI, in order for OPI to grow in the consumer eyes, we wanted the consumer to ask for OPI by name when she went into the salon. So uh, the color chart really helped to uh, to establish that.
0: Was it just like a piece of paper they took home?
1: It was like a two, little booklet uh-huh. where there was a little OPI story, and then there were little bars, and it said, and also it always said that if it was a cream color, a shimmer, a pearl, whatever the specific color. It made note of that so that the consumer really knew what. Uh, or, you know, what the shade was exactly like.
0: So you feel like that simple little handout really helped it become a household name?
1: That was one of the things for sure. Of course, the fun names, the destination collections. We really rebranded the professional nail polish category and made it more aspirational, fun, sexy. It was just a color and a number before that uh, in in the professional world, in the salon uh, uh, industry. And we really elevated the, the entire brand to another level.
0: I have to tell you, you were the one that actually named the polishes, right?
1: I'm one of them. There's actually, there were six of us who kind of the naming committee. (laughs) And we would come up with the names each time we uh, started with the destination collection. So we took the consumer traveling the world.
0: Well, you want to hear something really funny is I used to be a flight attendant. And there's something like this psychological connection when you see a name that resonates with you, even if it's on a beauty product, because I, for years, only wore I'm not really a waitress on my toes because it, <laughs> I related to that being a flight attendant. Right.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. I remember when I first introduced the uh, the color, it was from the Hollywood collection, and I went to New York and introduced it to the beauty editors. And then on the way home, I gave the nail color to the flight attendants and they said, can you make a color? I'm not really a flight attendant. So that's funny that you say that. (laughs) That's, I it
0: for years and now I'm probably saying it wrong, but this has been my favorite for the last 10 years. Is it Malaga wine?
1: Malaga wine. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. That's my new favorite. And I went, this is what I was going to tell you before yesterday I went into, and for some reason I go get pedicures, but I still always stop. I'm a very loyal fan of OPI. I stop at the opi nail polish and i always look at them and yesterday i'm like wait a second they now have numbers on them and i was so bummed because i like looking at the names but then i lifted them up and they still have the name on the bottom but now they are kind of attaching a number as well
1: that those i think the salons do that just so that they know it's easier for ordering purposes sometimes they have their own systems but maybe on the infinite shine which is our uh other uh, nail polish, a little longer stay, maybe on there, there is a number.
0: Yeah, it was both, and I think it was Rite Aid that I was in, but um, back to naming, you have a committee of six, and this is kind of my dream job. I also had a beauty editor on that named the lipsticks for MAC, and I was so intrigued by what she got to do. So you put together this committee. Do you guys sit around a table and do it, or people in their sleep wake up and go, wait, I thought of a great name last night?
1: No, no. <laughs> so we always knew the <laughs> the the destination location or if we did a collaboration with a movie or a uh, an artist and then we would go to the conference room and usually it takes for a collection to name twelve shades was about six to eight hours and there was always food that was representative of the specific city and we would just really have fun it was hilarious and we would just throw out names and definitely a democratic process. <laughs> And um, we would vote on it. And uh, then by the time the day was finished, we had 12 shade names.
0: I love it. So uh, this is another question that I want to ask you because I really don't feel like people understand how many opportunities there are in the beauty industry. I love the fact that you talk about these movie collaborations. And one of them that I read about was Legally Blonde. Was that your first movie collab? And how do you, I know you said people would come into your facility from the movie sets, but tell me how that all rolled out and found its place in in your nail polish
1: world. So the first movie, you're absolutely correct, was Legally Blonde that we collaborated with because of course there was a nail salon scene and it was so prominent in the movie. And uh, our PR um, agent Harris Shepard um, reached out and asked if uh, we could do some uh, collaboration with the movie again because it was such uh, the nails scene was so uh, important in the movie, and they said yes. So I did three pink shades for Legally Blonde, and that really took off. Uh, OPI in a somewhat different direction, I wanted to make it not just a nail color, nail polish, nail lacquer, but also a lifestyle brand where if you watched your favorite movie or listened to your favorite artist or was drinking a Coca-Cola or a Diet Coke, your favorite soft drink or driving your favorite Ford Mustang or uh, even painting your wall with your favorite Uh, paint color, OPI was always there. And uh, that was really what I wanted to do behind the idea behind all the collaboration. And that was a very important part of the brand's DNA again.
0: So it was the manicure scene, right? Where did they, it was just product placement, the OPI polish, and then you got to use it in your branding. Is that how you gained exposure and positioning around it?
1: Yes, there was uh, product placement in Legally Blonde too, not in the first one. The first one I just did a, you know, where we had Reese Witherspoon's photo on the point of purchase uh, display. Okay. So the first one, no. The second one, we had product placement.
0: And do you feel like that really boosted sales? Just having that kind of marketing surrounding the the polish.
1: Yes, all of these things, you know, again, made it very personal to women. OPI is such a personal brand to people. They remember the names. They remember the stories. OPI became, again, it's very important to make it personal. Women became our brand ambassadors. They spread the word. I mean, people in salons, uh, at social guys, people were talking about the OPI names, So every single thing that we did, you know, was it one specific? No, but each one of the things that I did was towards to make this into a personal lifestyle brand. And, uh, you know, um, Legally Blonde was really the beginning of these collaborations with Hollywood.
0: It sounds like it's fair to say that you're you were really dialed in on your focus and your mission, and that was to make it a household brand. That's how you made your decisions surrounding your business growth?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Now, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but I'd love to hear a little bit, whatever you can share about the pressure you felt and how you handled it when you had to do the reformulations. I think I read it was in 2003. For the the lipstick? That was the lipstick in 2003 because they didn't really dive into it. Uh, on the article I found surrounding it, they just said you had to reformulate in 2003. Was that just the lipsticks? Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. I mean, we, we had to make some changes on nail color as some of the regulatory issues came into, into effect. But those again, you know, there was always time to kind of a year or two to make those uh, formulation changes. But as far as the lip color, um, we learned our lesson, <laughs> and uh, we um we researched more, we found a better uh, supplier, and we reformulated so that wasn't such a uh, i mean it was again a financially a difficult time, but uh, uh, as far as the nail lacquer reformulations, those were because of regulatory concerns. In the U.S. and OPI being a global company, we had to also comply with global regulatory issues. So, But those were kind of uh, things that happened over a year or two.
0: I think I read at one point you had 300 plus employees at OPI.
1: More. The, at the end, we had 700 employees.
0: How's that? I mean, were you at all involved in the employee relations part of it? Because I know for many business owners, they say that is the most difficult part of running a a company.
1: You know, I always say if it wasn't for OPI's employees, I mean, George and I were smart and we did a lot of things well. But if it wasn't for our employees, we would not have been able to achieve what we did. It was a very special place. It was a family business, a very special culture. Our employees were a very important part of uh, the brand success. So um, I can only say, were there not certain issues? Yes, there always are because you deal with people. But was most of it good? It was great. Not good? It was great.
0: I went to dinner one night at one of your employees' homes. He was higher up in your company. And I remember I was in my early 20s and we went to dinner and it was up in the hills. I think it was in Tarzana. And he had this gorgeous house and a beautiful pool and he cooked all of us dinner outside overlooking the valley. And I thought, oh my goodness, nail polish can provide this kind of life. It was when I was a flight attendant. So you guys had a good reputation for being fair employers, which not everybody does, right?
1: (laughs) very very important. If you teach you, if you uh, it, are you, you know you respect your employees, they will respect you back, and that's how I, you know I have two children. I treated always you know my kids with respect, and I think it's very important in life in general, is to respect people because uh, you lead by example.
0: And you're right. One of my core values is reciprocity. So I guess you do get back what you give out.
1: No question. My dad always said, uh, in charity, you give, you get. And that always worked for me in my life. And um, I continue to live by that.
0: That's another thing that your family is known for in the Valley, um, your charitable donations. So you guys do good things with your success.
1: Thank you. We try.
0: I want to know, because this is when you called it your baby. and And as much as you can share with the what happened leading up to and when you actually sold, was it hard to give up the business? Like the total control of it, because I know you're still involved, but that's got to be, like, how did it all happen? And what did you feel like the moment you heard, okay, it's going to sell?
1: Well, look, OPI, there were many times, you know, people knocked on our door for interest to buy the company. For 20 years, there were people who wanted to you know, or to look into or explore the possibility of, uh, of buying the company, but George and I were not ready for it. And the company was growing, growing. Um, and you know, at certain point, you look at things and you take it, the company to the level that you possibly can. I mean, it was George and I were at the helm. We had amazing managers, but you know, there comes a point when in order to go to the another next level, it's a huge step and you need more people, and did we want to do that? No. So then we explored selling the business, and was it difficult? Yes, it always is. I mean, part of who I am, you know, like I said, I grew, and as OPI grew, I grew. So it was a very important part of my life, and I'm still uh, involved with OPI, uh, of course, at a very uh, smaller level. I only work on colors, which I love to do, and uh, was it difficult to let go? Yes, but was I ready? Yes, was I as ready as can be. Are you ever ready, ready to let go of something? Maybe not. But uh, it was okay. It was okay. Um, the people that uh, bought OPI, Cody Corporation were very respectful, and it was a very good transition.
0: I loved when I, well, first of all, how does it feel to be named by Forbes magazine, the first lady of nails? I was reading an article and I thought, well, that's an honor of a title.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's like, wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading
0: in there that you never even really felt that successful, but your first big splurge was a trip to Maui. Yeah.
1: With the kids, yes, we. Oh my God, it was so good. We stayed at the Grand Wailea at that time, and all those amazing slides. It was just a. I mean, I still love Hawaii. I think it's such a magical place, and that was the the place we went. I was never one of those, uh, pe- you know, people who woke up and I said, Oh my God, I'm so successful, because my thing was, if I did a, you know, good good collection, what was I going to do next? How was I going to anniversary what I did before? So that was always, you know, my my greatest, I am my greatest judge <laughs> and jury. So I always wanted to do better. And I never, uh, never was it a day, you know, in the office where I would say, oh, wow, I'm so successful. No, I mean, it was just a great, I love to go to work every day. It was fun. Uh, you know, I have some a sense of humor and work with great people. And uh, it was just an amazing ride. Well, I
0: want to talk a little bit about your latest project, which is your book, I'm Not Really a Waitress. I love that you named it that. I think it's hysterical and very fitting, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. It really tells women that they can be anything they want to be, including a waitress. And uh, there's no limitations.
0: I feel like your whole interview is just powerful, telling people this, like, okay, there's opportunities out there, do what you love. Like you, there's so many things that, you were talking about that showed, you know, you're a leader and true inspiration from what you've done. I, it's funny speaking of, I called Lynette or I emailed her and I said, okay, what was your favorite part of Susie's book? Because she, Lynette, the gal we talked about in the beginning for the listeners who, um, her son is married to your niece. And she, the first thing Lynette said to me is I loved the whole thing, but she loved how honest you were. Like you were working 16, 18 hour days to get this up and running. And I think a lot of people think, oh, she did what she loved and and this was easy for her, but you worked your butt off.
1: Yes. And that's the first thing when I speak to young people, I tell them you need to work hard. (laughs) Um, It's very, very important to be very disciplined and uh, to really work hard and to have that drive and focus. Once you set your mind on something and you have a vision, you need to follow that vision and to really... Give it all you have to uh, to make it happen. I always said it was important to know competition around us, but we had a vision for OPI, and we followed it. You don't jump around. You don't go left, go right. You follow your beliefs. It's so important. And, yes, I filled the bottles, and, yes, I put the labels on, and, yes, I you know swept the floor, but so what? It doesn't really matter. If you, uh, you work hard and you have a vision and a passion, you can really succeed.
0: Now, did somebody pursue you to write this book or what inspired you to write it? And just I want to talk about this, actually. What inspired you to write the book and how do you want the reader to feel?
1: Several things inspired me to write the book. Uh, as I said, I speak to to young people many times, and they, you know, about branding, marketing, et cetera. They always say, "Oh, do you have a book? We'd love your story. We want to hear more, more, more." So that was one reason. The second, I really wanted to dedicate the book to my mom and. Uh, you know, my mommy is my hero, and uh, she's part of the book. And my dad, my dad passed away uh, about now 16 years ago. And um, I really, I think it's so important storytelling. And what you said in the beginning, what we do best is tell stories. Women, when we get together, and we share our ourselves, our stories, our successes, our trials and tribulations of of business, work, family, uh, relationship, etc. And I really had a story to tell. And yes, kind of my story, and OPI story. As I said, we grew up together, so it's very much intertwined. And I wanted uh, uh, women at any age, but if I can inspire one young person, I've done good for the day.
0: You know, I'm not sure that you know this about me but I have an online business academy called the beauty biz club and it's just I'm teaching women in our industry business and marketing skills we feel like it's a missing part of our education and I would love if you would come in there and give an exclusive talk on branding and marketing could I entice you into that of course awesome I'll (laughs) reach out to you and I'll give you the details but that would be so special and of course. Awesome. Thank you. And when I asked Lynette, I said, what did you love the most about Susie's book? She sent me like literally it must have taken her an hour to write everything she loved about the book. So uh-huh. where can our readers find it?
1: So readers can find it, of course, on uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, and anywhere uh, books are sold online. But those two would be probably the easiest, as I have learned in my kind of semi-retirement on this Amazon click is so easy.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. You can get something to your front door in a matter of hours sometimes.
1: It still amazes me.
0: (laughs) So I guess I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and then you can share whatever you'd like. But do you have a favorite nail polish?
1: There are two answers to that. I always said my favorite nail polish was the one that equals the most dollar sign. But, <laughs> that makes of sense course, as a businesswoman. <laughs> right. Of course, I'm not really a waitress, and I, I'm a red person. I love red, big apple red, Malaga wine, which is, of course, a deeper burgundy, but all shades of red from light to – I've been wearing Cajun shrimp, which is such an old color – for uh, a few weeks and even in the supermarket, at the cashier the lady said, what color are you wearing? I said, oh it's an OPI color called Cajun shrimp at, I was at Bristol Farm so it's really uh, kind of reds um, are my favorite but um, I, you know, like I said, nothing is taboo today, I mean I've been wearing greens blues, pinks, just it's fun, it's that uh, you know, something you can change as often as you like and uh, it's a great way to self-express through color
0: are your children involved in the or or were they ever involved in the business
1: no too young Uh, my son actually just graduated a couple of weeks ago from university and my daughter is expecting a baby so I'm going to be a grandma oh well look
0: at you guys are going to have a big growing family with all kinds of little ones running around yes (laughs) And then you mentioned two small children as you were growing this business. Do you have any tips for moms that are working in the beauty industry and having to hustle right now?
1: You know, my biggest thing is, you know, I'm not a superwoman and I couldn't have done this all by myself. You know, I had my parents, my sister um, as great help. Of course, my husband having a great partner is uh, makes a, a huge difference. But I always advise women, get help if you can. You cannot do this all by yourself. And it's really important for uh, for family and for happiness is to to be in the right favor of mind. So help, family, or, or outside help is very important to be able to uh, accomplish everything.
0: And I, that is so important. And I think that when you work in the beauty industry, you can even barter help, right? Like you should be able to find a college kid to help you out around the house for a facial.
1: Or yes. Manicure, no questions. So that's what I'm saying. Any which way you can, you know, have help. You cannot do this all alone. And and I really, you know, I say in my book, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I think that's a very important thing that I want the readers to take away. But also, how I did it. Help is is one of the key things that helped me to to succeed.
0: What was your education, and did you go to college? If so, what did you study? I went,
1: yes, I studied biology, but um, not. But I think I'm much more of an entrepreneur spirit. I only did that because I thought I would work in a lab because it was popular then and be able to make a living. Um, so. Um, I think I always had a good sense for certain things. And the one thing that I have is is discipline and hard work and passion. I'm extremely, you know, when I, when I go after something, I'm really, really go after it.
0: Driven in the right direction. I like it. Very
1: much, very much driven.
0: So let's give your book a shout out before we wrap things up today. I'm not really a waitress available on Amazon. And yes, anywhere else you. you can buy books. And then anything else you want to share with the listener?
1: Like I said, if I can do it, anybody can. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, people will enjoy reading my book. It has humor. It's really, they will learn about me. It's my voice, uh, how I've, you know, how I did it. And uh, I hope I can inspire them to do whatever they uh, whatever their passion takes them.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for being on here today. The interview for me has been inspirational. You make me want to go out there and do something big.
1: (laughs) So I appreciate it. You are already. But thank you so much for the opportunity. It was my pleasure. Thank you,
0: Susie. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to build the beauty biz of your dreams. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, the only professional success-based society designed to fuel your success by providing you with the ongoing resources that are needed to excel in the beauty industry, please visit beautybizclub.com. Again, that's beautybizclub.com. Also, if you'd like a copy of my free report, Top 10 Secrets of Successful Beauty Biz Practitioners, please visit lorikrete.com.